Welcome to Christchurch. My name is Brian Pinter. I'm the Education Associate here. I'm happy to have this opportunity to walk with you through a tour of our wonderful liturgical space. I'd like to begin with just a brief reflection on Christchurch and its history. Communications that we send out begin with the heading Orthodox Mystery, Catholic Beauty, Protestant Audacity, Evangelical Energy. I think this embracive statement succinctly but magnificently captures the ecumenical spirit of our congregation. The Catholic, and when I say Catholic, I mean universal nature of Christ Church, takes flesh and bone in the Romanesque architecture of our worship space a style which recalls the period when the church was marked by communion before the divisions between East and West, Catholic and Protestant. A sacred space that evoked the universal era of united Christianity seems to have been the intention of Reverend Dr. Ralph W. Sockman, the pastor who presided over the design and construction of Christ Church, as well as Ralph Adams Cram, her principal architect. The cornerstone of the present church was laid on November 15, 1931, in an elaborate ceremony which included the transfer of memorabilia and documents from our predecessor church, Madison Avenue Methodist Episcopal, formerly located on the northeast corner of 60th and Madison. The present church was dedicated and services began in November 1933, although work on the interior continued through late 1949. I'd like to begin our tour at the main, main doors with a look at the facade. So I invite you at this time to walk outside to the Park Avenue steps if you're not already there. I'd also like to say that at any time feel welcome to pause the recording to look more carefully at some of the beautiful features and artwork in our space. Let's pick up the tour when you make your way to the main entrance. Standing outside we look at the lower facade of the building. We see that it is of buff brown sandstone quarried in Virginia which was also used in both the United States Capitol and the White House. As we look up at the facade, notice how randomly intermixed brickwork alternates in shades of buff, red, reddish brown, and chocolate, evoking the basilicas of 11th century Italy. Before we pass through the teak doors at the main entryway, look above at the symbols of Jesus' passion carved in the capitals of the columns. There's the lamp of Gethsemane, the ladder and stalk of hyssop, Judas's bag of money, the scourge, the cup and bread of the Last Supper, the seamless tunic and dice, as well as Pilate's sword and staff. Among these we also find the Greek key row, and those are on the column to the left of the main entry. The key row 
are the first two letters of the word Christ in Greek. On the right side, we find the Alpha and the Omega, once again symbols related to Jesus, and those are drawn from the Book of Revelation. Let's pass through the main doors into the vestibule. The narthex serves as our transition way from the secular to the sacred worlds and gives us a taste of what we will find inside. This space is richly decorated with Italian, Vermont, and Tennessee marble. It's interesting to note that there are 34 different kinds of marble in Christ Church, originating from the world over. Here in the vestibule, we are also afforded a close-up view of one of the most striking and beautiful features of Christ Church, the gilded mosaic ceiling made of tesserae. Tesserae are tiny tiles of glass or vitreous enamel set in mastic or cement, each about three-quarters of an inch square. It is said that there are more than seven million of these adorning the ceiling of our liturgical space. From a distance, the ceiling appears to be pure gold, but as we can see here in the narthex, it's actually peppered with colored tiles that give the appearance of a spirited sparkle. Now we enter the nave. As we come into this main sanctuary, our eyes are immediately drawn to the figure of Christ in the mosaic above the apse. That's the semi-domed area over the altar. The pose in which he rests is known in sacred art as Christ Pantocrator, meaning all-powerful. He's clad in the robes of a Byzantine emperor with red bands signifying a man of high rank across his shoulders. Jesus raises his right hand in blessing in the Eastern Orthodox mode, with two fingers extended to indicate his human and divine nature, the other three clustered to signify the Holy Trinity. His left hand holds an open gospel book proclaiming the text of John chapter 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. On either side of the nimbus or halo are the Greek letters in transliteration Iota Sigma Chi Sigma in English they look like ICXC that's the abbreviation for Jesus Christ immediately below him is a band of blue surrounding the text of Matthew chapter 22 verses 37 and 39 thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now we take a look at the depictions of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The prophet Isaiah foretold that the Messiah would manifest six gifts. The reference for this is Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 2. The Christian tradition added a seventh and is taught that through the power of baptism Jesus helps us grow in perfection of these virtues. 
these gifts are depicted in the medallions of the semicircular band surrounding the apse and pantocrator mosaic. Each gift is in the hands of a seated female figure clothed in Byzantine dress. From left to right we find the sun symbolizing understanding, a book for counsel, a lion for fortitude, a dove for wisdom, and we see the dove placed directly above Jesus' head, a lamp for knowledge, a cross for piety, and a crown symbolizing spiritual reward. Below the band on the left we see John the Baptist pointing toward Jesus, a figure and pose symbolizing the new covenant. Over the Baptist's head is the text of John chapter 14 verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. To the right stands Moses holding the Ten Commandments, the preeminent symbol of God's enduring covenant with Israel. Above Moses is inscribed the text of Psalm 27 verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Traditionally, an Orthodox icon program would depict the Blessed Virgin Mary to Jesus' left, but Moses was deemed more appropriate for a Methodist church. Around the curve of the apse are the four evangelists, that is, the writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take a moment now to look up at the ceiling and see the three bands of nine symbols across the barrel vault. These same symbols are used in each band but in varying order. Among them we find the Greek cross, the Alpha and Omega symbolizing Jesus as beginning and end, perfection and wholeness, the hand of God, the lamp of knowledge, the dove of the Holy Spirit and the starry crown of spiritual reward. At the foot of each band, below the Moorish inspired balconies, notice a Latin cross above a disc, symbolizing the victory of Jesus over the sinfulness of the world. Below the balconies, and between the arches, we find a series of Christo and Trinitarian symbols. On the north side are three monograms of Jesus. Nearest the altar is Kiro, followed by the Greek letters Nu, Iota, Kappa, Alpha, meaning victory, around a Greek cross. Last is the Greek Iota Eta Sigma, the first letters of the name Jesus. The south side, beginning at the narthex end, we find the Alpha and Omega, followed by a six-pointed star, a symbol with several meanings. 
although most often associated with modern Judaism. The Jewish people adopted the star only recently in their history. A common symbol in the ancient Near East and North Africa, the star was interpreted by Christians as representing the six days of creation, as well as the presence of the Holy Trinity at creation. The star can also be understood to represent God's rule over the universe, spanning in all six directions, north, south, east, west, up and down. Finally, in the arch closest to the altar, we have the triangle and trefoil, both medieval symbols of the Trinity. Perhaps the most interesting and magnificent piece of our program of sacred art and iconography is the reredos or choir screen above the main altar. In Orthodox and Greek Catholic churches, the screen, called an iconostasis, separates the altar from the nave. Only the ordained may enter. A pair of doors placed at ground level serve as the entryway. These doors can be seen in our reredos, which originated in a Russian Orthodox church circa 1660. Through accidents of history, they found their way into the private collection of Tsar Nicholas II before being purchased by Christchurch member Juliet Thompson and donated to the church in the mid-1930s. The top pair of icons on the doors depicts the Annunciation. The four below are the four evangelists accompanied by their traditional symbols. Mark with the winged lion. Note that Mark is depicted with Peter as it was tradition that Mark served as Peter's secretary. Matthew the angel, John the eagle, Luke the ox. Just above the altar stand icons of two orthodox hierarchs believed to be Saint Basil on the left and St. John Chrysostom on the right. There, accompanied by four incense bearers whose red shoulder stoles indicate their status as deacons. The seven icons at the top of the frieze are reproductions written by Juliet Thompson based on 14th century originals from St. George Church, Novgorod, West Russia. From the left, the icons depict the raising of Lazarus, Abraham and Sarah with the three angels, the archangel Michael, Christ enthroned in the center, then the archangel Gabriel, and finally on the right, St. John the Evangelist with his scribe, St. Prochorus. Let's move now toward the chapel I invite you to pause in the choir passageway and notice the Christ icon. We see that Jesus wears robes in the Byzantine style with red and earth color evoking his humanity. 
while blue, the heavenly color, symbolizes his divinity. The ornate embroidery of the garment suggests a style characteristic of 16th century Russia. The text Jesus holds in his hands is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice how Jesus' fingers, held in the position of blessing, form the Greek iota sigma chi sigma. In English it would look like I-C-X-C. Turn around now and see the baptismal font. It's decorated with three symbols of the sacrament. The wavy, watery striations are reminiscent of Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1, which says, On that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. We also see the scallop shells which recall Jesus' baptism by John. The eight segments around the perimeter of the font represent the eighth day, the beginning of a new week, and thus regeneration and renewal. Stepping beyond the font into the north transept between the nave and the chapel, take a look up to see the blue starry ceiling symbolizing a gossamer veil between the heavenly and earthly realms. At the baptistry end of the arcade, there is a roundel mosaic of Noah's Ark. You can see this above the archways with the curtains, just beyond the baptismal font. Note how skillfully the mosaicist crafted gently rolling waves with white caps a gray sky and raindrops. When you turn around you'll see on the east wall the Bowles Colgate Memorial. Colgate of toothpaste fame was a founding member of the Madison Avenue Church. The chapel is a miniature of the larger liturgical space with its own nave and apse. Like the main altar, the chapel altar is of Spanish marble. And we see that it's accented with a diamond-shaped inset of rare African marble. In the chapel apse is a Latin cross with a border of pineapples symbolizing hospitality and pomegranates. The latter recall the myth of Persephone, whose emergence from the underworld every spring recalls the resurrection. Take a look up to the magnificent ceiling fashioned in the rich style of Sicilian and Spanish churches.
On the east wall, we find a mosaic of two peacocks. This is just above the door. The birds represent eternal life, a notion derived from the ancient Egyptians who believed that a peacock's flesh does not decay and is indigestible. They also could represent resurrection as peacocks shed their plumage only to grow more radiant colorful feathers each year. Peacocks were also associated with the Greek goddess queen Hera whom Christians reimagined as the Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of Heaven. As we bring our tour to a close, I would just like to share a final note about the mosaics of Christ Church. The mosaics were developed from cartoon sketches submitted by the architectural firm Cram and Ferguson under the direction of Alexander Hoyle, a design partner of Cram. The firm of Bruno de Paoli of Long Island City fabricated the mosaics in their studios with tesserae as well as craftsmen imported from Italy. Although the apse mosaics were in place and dedicated by November 1940, the outbreak of World War II shut down the importation of Italian materials and forced many of the craftsmen to return to their homeland. Remarkably, Enough came back to New York by 1948 to complete the work, concluding in the fall 1949, all still under de Paoli's supervision. I'd like to thank you now for taking the time to visit with us and to tour this wonderful liturgical space. I hope you find it to be an inspiration and a place of prayer and reflection. Please know that you're welcome to join us any and every Sunday morning at Christ Church for our liturgy. Once again, thank you and God bless.